0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit appleco calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up later, a really fantastic story in a reverse Clark rage about a boss pulling money out of his own pocket so a longtime worker could retire. I'll fill you in. It's really, it really touched me. And coming up yet later, Free college has been a promise by some candidates on the campaign trail, but there's actually ways people are getting free college, and they're not costing taxpayers a penny. I'm going to tell you how it works. So I want to talk right now, I should mention Clark.com, our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where we made it happen for you all through the Christmas shopping season And here in January and all year long, the deals don't stop and we don't either. We'll hit you with the bargains, the deals as they occur at ClarkDeals.com. So there's been a lot of reaction to a survey that was done by TD Ameritrade that found that very large numbers of Americans... Are not intending to be able to retire ever. People in their 40s and 50s, in huge numbers, roughly close to half, expect to work till they're deceased or until they can't get up in the morning. And there's been a lot of reaction from people who are really upset saying, Get out of the way, because how am I ever going to advance if you're still working? Well, this is crazy, and it's why economics is such a strange profession. But there's a massive societal advantage, maybe not to you personally, if you haven't saved for retirement and you have to keep working, but there's a massive advantage for American society if people do keep working. Because we have a big math problem. We have an aging population. And if you look at historical numbers, we don't have enough people to do all the work moving forward. Which is ironic if you think about, there have been many times in the past where the big problem was people couldn't find work. And today we're in a period where it's hard for companies to find workers. And we think that's a temporary thing. And yeah, there are, you know, there's recessions that come and go. And then employment becomes more difficult. But the trend lines moving forward is this big need for workers. We as a country have not been able to reach a consensus on having immigrants fill jobs in the United States. So if we don't have the immigrants, we're going to have to fill them. And so people who, because they have not been able to save money and they reach age 50 and they're like, oops, I'm just going to have to work and work and work and work. That will, even though you might not like it yourself, it's great for the country. And there'll be plenty of opportunity to go around for all of us as Americans in this era of labor shortage that we're facing, you're also going to see a lot more automation come into the workplace as AI, artificial intelligence, gets steadily more sophisticated and we deal with labor shortages in so many job categories. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeff.
0: Nice for you,
1: sir. Hi, how are you? Hi, Jeff. Everything's great. What's going on?
2: Hey, I just got a question about auto insurance, uh, and this is for my personal vehicle. I'm hoping to get some advice on whether it's advisable to add rental car reimbursement insurance to my vehicle in the event that the vehicle was wrecked and needed to be in repair for um, a number of days.
1: Yes, this is absolutely... Essential, if there's not, like a lot of families will have an extra vehicle laying around, if that's not you, you want to have the rental car reimbursement coverage. Okay. Re- because Excellent. what you pay in premiums for it is low enough because the, the likelihood in a year that you'll need the rental car coverage is so low that the premiums are really quite reasonable. What are yours for six months? Do you know?
2: Um, so I've got it quoted at a year, but, yeah, seems very reasonable at $32 for a full year per vehicle. And I think that's benefit, very
1: worthwhile.
2: Yes. Yeah, it, it, the benefit's $40 per rental day, which doesn't maybe doesn't quite... Take care of, you know, the full rental cost? Actually, uh, you'll be
1: surprised because usually in the insurance replacement rental market, the insurers have negotiated rates with uh, car rental companies that are off-airport, like Enterprise, which really got its start in that, where there will be a vehicle that will fit under your insurer's cap that they've negotiated these volume deals And so you should be able to get one that'll be under 40.
2: Right. I didn't think about that. That's, uh, yeah, agreed. I've never looked into this before. And uh, my wife had an accident a year ago and we did not have it. And luckily we were able to borrow a car, you know, temporarily, but it was, it was challenging because, you know, sometimes it was, you know, not as advantageous to just not have a car, uh, readily available so sure. uh, thanks how for your was advice she?
1: how was she after that accident was she physically okay? oh
2: thank okay? goodness uh, both uh my son and uh my wife were fine so yeah nobody hurt in the wreck but the car was out we were surprised they had to order parts it was a honda had to order parts uh, i guess from japan and it ended up being a full 30 days before it was completely repaired because wow there was some kind of hold up on the part, so wow, that's that that's time. very
1: unusual. That's an that's an unlikely circumstance, but it shows that that what did you say thirty two dollar forty two dollar premium? What was it a year?
2: Thirty two dollars a year. That would have been a a good investment. So <laughs> <luckily>. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So it is a coverage that I do advise people to have, and uh, you had that experience that. Sure shows why that is worth spending the money for. Nate is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nate.
3: Hey, hey Clark, how you doing?
1: Great, thank you, Nate. How can I serve you today?
3: Yeah, thank you. I love the show. So I'm excited to to propose my question. So thank you. I'm 32 and I'm married, three kids. The oldest is six. And so we have, we sold our house in Do you Utah. like
1: yourself having three kids that young?
3: <laughs> it depends how much sleep I get, which is usually three days out of the week I like myself. Okay,
1: so I got to tell you this. My daughter, who has her first child, with her uh, she and her husband have their first baby, and she cannot believe how difficult it is with the lack of sleep,
0: and oh, she man. said
1: to me last week, she said, Dad... You always told me how hard it was gonna be, but I didn't believe you.
3: <laughs> oh it's so true it's so true
1: so uh, so she's so yeah. uh she's what is she see six weeks in seven weeks in not getting any sleep
3: uh, yeah my youngest is eight months and she's been our easiest child, thank heavens because going from two to three was no joke.
1: well, you know they say uh one is one and two is ten. So now you've gone past two. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, how can I be of service to you? I'm not coming over to babysit.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, that aside then, uh, let's get into the other part, which is, so yeah, married. Good job. Uh, three kids. We sold our Utah house and made a, a good amount of money. And I invested 50000 into a small private equity company that I actually work for. And we're trying to grow this thing. We're acquiring small businesses. And so I put some money in to have some skin in the game. And I'm left with about 25000 And I really want to know the best way to start retirement planning, whether that's IRA or getting into real estate or what I should really do with that 25000
1: So what I would recommend is that you immediately take So you can take uh, six, each of you, and put in a 2019 Roth IRA and take six for each of you and put it in a 2020 Roth IRA. So I just spent 24 of the 25. Okay. Because a Roth IRA, I don't know your familiarity with it, but it is the go-to to start building retirement money. And you can invest with any of a number of the ultra low cost companies, the three that have the most market share of Vanguard, Fidelity, and Charles Schwab. And any of the three are commission free with very, very low cost investment choices. And my favorite for you to do if you open to 2019 and a 2020, because you can do that even past year up until when you file taxes is that you put that money in a target retirement fund for the year closest to when you're going to retire and closest to when your wife will retire.
3: Okay. Or retirement, typical retirement age for each of you. Okay. I talked to a buddy who works at Vanguard, and he walked me through the best account for that. Then the the following question is, how much monthly should I be contributing? Because they'll be maxed out, but then once they're not maxed out, and i'm done with the 24,000 you can't have a do goal anything of how much again
1: so you can either just pop all that money in or you can pop in the 2019 contribution in one check for each of you and then for 2020 contribute $500 a month automatically okay and then if you do that that's and you keep doing that going forward in 21 and 22 and on like that you're doing a classic investment method called dollar cost averaging that helps you ride out downs in the market so you don't panic when there's a stock market decline and you just keep going where you build that habit of putting in the 500 every month.
4: Okay.
3: Well, thank you very much. Sure. And, and your, uh, how many daughter, more kids luck.
1: how many more kids are you going to have, Nate?
3: Well, the plan was four, but honestly, I think we're I think we're done at three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, uh, you know, I have
1: three. Producer Joel has three, and Kim is screwing up all the numbers. She
3: has zero. <laughs> and she well, likes she, it. That she way. should get on that.
1: No, oh on no! Th- Do you want to speak for yourself, Kim? Oh, no, she's just shaking her head violently. <laughs> no, no kids. So. Learn from us, I guess. Today's Clark Rageous moment is actually a reverse rage. One of those things about our fellow humans that touched my heart. So it's the story of Albert and Rudy. So Rudy owns an auto repair shop. And he loves his employees. And he had an employee named Albert. Albert pushing 70, was really starting to have a lot of trouble physically doing the very physical labor involved in the auto shop. And as Rudy said about Albert, I could tell his age and the physicality of the job were starting to take a toll. And so he wanted to know why he was still working. Because he could see he was really struggling to work. And Albert said that he didn't have enough money to pay off his mortgage. And when he had the mortgage paid off, he was going to retire. And so, just something he told Rudy and didn't really think about it. And then Albert all of a sudden finds out that his boss, Rudy, the owner of the shop, had written a check and paid off the balance of his mortgage and said, go be with your family, go enjoy your life. I mean, how great is that? So now... We've got Albert, now owns his three-bedroom home in Texas, free and clear, and he does it just because of the generosity of his boss. I mean, what goodness resides in so many of us? We only hear often in the news about the bad that goes on, but there's so many people who have a kind, generous heart. And I think that's wonderful. Joel, I think we have time for an Ask Clark here. Yep, we certainly do, Clark. This is where you post at clark.com slash ask. And a question for me. Yeah, Thomas wrote in. He says, what
3: is the best way to go about getting a will made, Clark?
1: Thomas, it depends on your situation. If you have a really simple situation, no complicated blended family stuff, you're not rolling in money. You can do your own will pretty easily using the software Willmaker. It's a very popular software kit. Uh, one of the places you can get it is at nolo.com, N-O-L-O.com, or you can go to LegalZoom and get their help preparing a will. It's just two examples of very popular places for self-help. On the other hand, if you own your own business, you have money, you have a complicated personal life, go to a lawyer. And if you have money, have complication, have blended family, own your own business, anything like that, you want a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts. This is what they do every day, and that's who you want to hire.
0: First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. So, think how many questions I get about college uh, doing a 529 plan, borrowing money for college, paying back loans, whatever. And so, we have an affordability problem in the United States. But you probably have heard these stories recently about these two colleges in Kentucky that offer free college with no strings attached. And it's usually, you know a college has a lot of free rides, it's typically because of the money they have in endowment. These schools are small, I'll probably mispronounce, Berea College and Alice Lloyd College charge their students zero for tuition. My daughter goes to a college called Occidental College where people pay the admissions or what's called blind admissions. They don't know if someone has the financial means to go to the school, they just admit the best 550 freshmen each year at her college, and then after the people have been offered admission, they then have a score that's issued for each child or each potential incoming freshman. I don't think freshmen like to be referred to as child students. um, That a three-digit score is issued, and that three-digit score determines whether you pay nothing or full freight to go to the college. And they do it with money from the endowment is how they do that there. The idea is they don't want people taking out student loan debt. Well, there's another thing going on in the country that I talked about when it was first an idea, but it's something that is growing income-sharing agreements known now simply as ISAs, that when I first talked about ISAs, were available at only a couple of schools as an experiment. And now there are roughly a hundred colleges that offer ISAs. And what they are is where you graduate from college with no student loan debt at all. but whoever invests in your education, You pay them back with a share of your income going forward and you typically pay for 10 years. So, you know, you get out of school, you don't know what kind of money you're going to earn with the income sharing agreement. There's a percent of your income and I'm talking generic terms because the ISAs are still young enough that they vary a lot in how they work, but you take out the ISA and then the investor in it gets paid back so much every month while you're working for that typically 10-year period. So ISAs are not just like an IRA where you just can go do it anywhere. It has to be at a participating college of which, again, there are around 100 of them now. But the idea is, in a lot of families, it's not possible economically to save for college. It's just not going to happen. And so then a student is left with a choice of not going to college or going to a very affordable college. Uh, My preference, I love for people to go to community college at least For the first couple of years, cut the cost of college by roughly half for a four-year degree. But this is a whole different idea where you go to one of these schools that participates in an income sharing agreement, and then you graduate with zero dollars of student loan debt. So there's no, to my knowledge, no trade association yet. There's no standardized list of schools that offer ISAs, it will require an industrious uh, high school senior to look around for ISA programs if the goal is to have the ability to go to a private college and go to one where you're not going to be buried in student loan debt when you're done. Clyde's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Clyde. How you doing, Clark? Great thank you. So that's a good segue to what you want to talk about, isn't it?
5: Yeah, a little bit painful. my son does not uh, did not choose a free college but he's uh, looking to go to a flight academy here in Florida. and uh, the baseline I guess is that you know he's 19 years old, He has a part-time job, makes about 20k a year he has two credit cards and we also have uh, 25k and 529 money uh, as a co signer if that's you know that's probably the way we'll go. Uh, myself, I have a 780 credit score, and we're looking to, to uh, borrow about 72k. Uh, the program is two years, and the good part, if you will, is upon graduation, the regional airlines are paying 60k in a signing bonus, and then uh, giving another 10k after one year of service. Uh, his first year salary is expected to be a little over 40k. Yeah, there's
1: a, uh, there's, there's like, been a massive shift. And the entry point income that a pilot now earns with, uh, of course, the commuters and the majors. And I don't know if, if you know the recent history, but it used to be that if you started as a first officer with a commuter airline for the majors, you started at about 12000 a year with no assistance yeah. for student loans. But the yeah, labor shortage clear. for pilots is so extreme here in the United States and around the world, that the signing bonus thing has made a huge difference.
5: Yeah, it's it's very lucrative. It's awesome. Yeah, so the the flight academy is partnering with a bank that has an option for a private student loan. Yeah, uh, they're offering a, <laughs> a five point four to eleven seven point seven. You know, depending on the credit score. I uh, six. But you're on the hook graduation. for
1: that. They're not going to just let your son sign a loan, right?
5: yeah absolutely yeah and it's you know no prepaid penalties uh first payment is due six months after graduation the, the cool thing seems to be that there's a co release clause that you know after he makes 48 monthly payments on time that you know if he qualifies uh we can drop the co-signer
1: so, so well, what you, you would do in deal, that or? case what you do in that case is the first 48 payments you make <laughs> absolutely so there's no question <laughs> Those payments have been made on time, and uh, then then you're relieved from co-signing responsibility. Now, it does violate um, my formula because you're talking about in perfect conditions, you're going to end up with him having is it seventy two thousand in student loan debt? Correct. Yeah, and so you never want to borrow more than what he's likely to earn the first year on the job. The reason you would violate that is that the airline industry, being a seniority-driven business, his income will rise steadily and continually through his career till he's been with the airlines for 20 years, let's say.
5: Yeah, absolutely. He plans to go to the majors as well.
1: Now, there is one other alternative that I'd like you to see if it applies and your state are part of a multi-state compact, there are now state schools, you know, state-supported schools, that offer aviation programs, often subsidized by the airlines in some way because they need pilots so badly and mechanics so badly. Have you looked to see if there is a state-supported school? Absolutely. there.
5: There's numerous ones. uh, Much more expensive. Two factor
1: for a state for a now I'm talking about well, part of you're in Florida part of the Florida State University system.
5: Oh, I'm sorry. So there's there's you know there's a Daytona school. It's very very large uh, aviation school. Very expensive as well.
1: No, uh, I'm talking about cool. one subsidized by the taxpayers of your state.
5: No, I I don't know of that. I haven't checked into that.
1: I did not know. That. I would know I wouldn't look. They aren't out there saying, "Hey, come look at us." So you got to look. Okay. And there's also um, a number of multi-state compacts that if a state school in one state doesn't offer a particular major or degree, that your son may be able to go in a nearby state that offers a subsidized pilot training program. Well, that's great. It could be a lot cheaper than a traditional private flight school program.
5: I definitely look into that. And
1: then your son would graduate with a bachelor's degree and a pilot's license, both.
5: Yeah, the the first step is regionals. He doesn't need a bachelor's degree, but the, the end goal is bachelor's degree for the majors.
1: So that's why these okay. state programs where they're part of the state university systems encompass both the degree and the pilot's license. Well that's great.
5: So definitely need to look into that.
1: Hopefully you can find something like that. I'm just not aware if in the state of Florida there is a state university program. But again, then, that's where the multi-state compacts come in. And I don't know if that's a term you're familiar with. But I'm not. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, um, a state that may not be able to afford or have a particular major works out a deal with another state that has that major where a child who normally would be out of state is considered to be in state in that particular course of study. Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michael.
4: Hey, Clark, how are you?
1: Great, thank you. How can I be of help?
4: Okay, so um, I get, I've gotten quite a few recall notices over the years. I have a 2011 fusion, and um, I finally decided to do something about it. And I called and set up an appointment to have them fixed. And then, so I got to thinking about it and I wanted to see exactly how many active recalls I had. So I got online and I did a quick Google search and I looked up the NHTSA website. Right. And, um, it said I had three active recalls. And so I was reading through the notices and everything. And I noticed that there was a reimbursement period. I can't remember who pays who or whatever, but, um, only one of them said that it was still active and the other two had already expired. So my question is, is, am I financially responsible for those other two recalls now because the reimbursement period is over?
1: So good question. All right. So as a general rule, the statute of limitations for a recall is eight years from when you originally bought the vehicle. So okay. did you buy the 2011 in 2011, or were you a subsequent owner?
4: No, I got it in 14 as a second owner.
1: Okay, so you're well within the eight years. So the exception to that would be if the Fed specifically agreed that there would be a time limit for you to make a claim. If there's a stated time limit, that, in my understanding, would be the superior thing or inferior for you but if there's <laughs> not a stated time limit then it's eight so it's okay. A 22 okay thank you so if there is one go to the dealer in good faith to have the one recall done that you know you're still eligible for mm-hmm. and ask them what about these other two so at least get okay that i'll be sure done. to do
4: that I will definitely do that. It's the Takata airbag thing, so. Oh. Yeah.
1: That you've got to take care of because the Takata airbag thing is extremely dangerous. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it. So I hope that they can get that done in a timely manner. You know, there was a long period of time that manufacturers were saying, bad news, this airbag thing doesn't work, but worse news, we have no replacements, but we're just telling you it doesn't work. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's when you go post a question and we answer them multiple ways. One, if you check a box, well, you may well end up with me on the show answering your question, or you may get a chance to talk with a member of Team Clark, a free service of our show since 1993, where we provide free off-the-air advice or Producer Joel could ask your question for you, and that's what you're going to do right now.
3: That's right. We got one from Tom. He says, how can I get around a 3% upcharge a local car dealer wants to charge on credit card transactions? They've got a tiny sign about the size of a post-it note next to the checkout counter letting you know
1: about the fee. If I pay cash, debit, or check, there's no fee, but it's hard to have that extra cash on hand if the expenses are more than I had planned. Plus, the credit card can allow me to dispute the charge if there's a problem. What do you think, Clark? Yeah, I'm seeing this. Uh, Not a lot, but more and more, where retailers are charging the 3% surcharge. And so depending on the circumstance, I have reward cards. So I either pay the 3% extra or I pay cash. In a case where you're worried about needing to dispute or you're short of money right then, your right to pay the 3% extra and just use the credit card. But but it is, you gotta understand for the car dealer and for anybody who accepts credit cards, the Visa MasterCard Cartel is charging such massive fees to merchants that more and more merchants are saying, let's let the customer decide if they want to use that card, they pay this. If they don't they're going to get a better deal, a better price by not using that plastic. Our Clark and Jenny wrote in. She says, what about reverse mortgages?
3: What are the pros and cons and is that I should be considering when I'm thinking about them?
1: Well, if you watch the TV ads, they're just the greatest thing ever for you to take out a reverse mortgage. Your house pays you every month. So that's the pitch. And that's the idea The problem is that reverse mortgages come with massive fees up front, and it's been a big problem around the country that people who do reverse mortgages end up being foreclosed on. So the easy walk in a park that's promised is not really true. But if you are in a position where you're house rich and cash poor, you don't have enough money to live your life. There's nobody you want to inherit that house from you. Shopping around and doing a reverse mortgage is a potential alternative. You should go through financial counseling to make sure that it looks like the right choice for you. Shop the market and then do the reverse mortgage, but only as a last option, definitely not a first one. And it's when you're tapped out and you need the income you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim Drobes, joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim ayers and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com